reason I say team is because I like to treat listeners how I would any team, which is try to expose them to people who are at the top of their game, being at the top of their game, uh, still at the top of their game, that may, may be assist them by listening or teach them something or maybe inspire them. And I know you will, first of all, because I know you for a long time, but I just know you've got a lot to offer. Some of the best learning you will ever do will be traveling. Give yourself space, time to creatively think, to learn, to meet people, or take a vacation with your family. Give yourself that time. And there's no better person or people or company to help you than the people at Tripadeal. Their experienced agents will look after you from start to finish. They will plan your flights, your accommodation, your car, your excursions, whatever you need. If you want to plan a trip of a lifetime, Tripadeal is the place to go. Tripadeal.com.au. So I want to start, I just want to start by just drawing out some feelings that you've had in your career. When you were told you're going to play for your country, what comes straight to mind? Yeah, it just tingles, um, blown away. I tingled um, asking you that question. Yeah, it was... Yeah. Um, and then to, to go to the next level, to initially get told um, that you're playing for Australia or selected for Australia. And then I remember Wayne Bennett actually telling me that I'm making my debut um, in a test match. And then to stand there with the jersey on, anthem, family and partner in the crowd. Um, yeah, just, it, it's just to pinch yourself. Like it's actually, I've, I've had some moments in my life and in my career where I actually have had to go, is this happening? Um, and I'll, you know, a little origin story later on, but those sorts of moments just, I hope I never forget them. How good, how? Can we reenact when Wayne told you? Yeah, so in Wayne's sort of way, um, in my hotel room, just to, yeah, he comes and knocks on the door, just stands there, appears at the door, and um, basically just drops the news on me and says, mate, you're gonna be making your debut for Australia this, this weekend. Um, yeah, and I was, I didn't know what to think. I was shocked, scared, excited. Um, yeah, tingles again in the body, but um, yeah, mainly excitement. And I guess in some ways a little bit of relief because you get picked in the squad and you go, far out, I hope I'm going to play a game, For you sure, know. Yeah. Um, but then to get selected in a test match in the first one as well, um, I was blown away. So you close the door. Thanks, Wayne. See ya. Straight on the phone. Straight on the blow-up. Um, parents, partner, um, Who's now your wife? Yep, now the wife. And um, yeah, they, they sort of tried to, my old man had to sort out passports and all that stuff in the time frame and get sorted and everything as well. And um, yeah, we're only talking about a couple of weeks ago, actually, they come over to visit. And I think he actually had to come to Newcastle um, to pick up his passport because it was out of use by date and stuff. And that, it was only on that day, then they drove straight to Sydney to, Sydney fly, to fly out to make sure and then come over to the test match. Because they were in Dubbo. Yeah, they were living in Dubbo. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, that phone call, that, you know, every single moment, I suppose, good and bad over times, they've yes, had a few of the, the they've had, some, they've had some, some bad ones and some ones where I've wanted to go home and stuff, but um, that was a good one to make. This is such a great story to start with. So, righto, that's obviously a childhood dream. Like, you, that's a pinnacle. Well, let's drop it down to State of Origin, which others consider a pinnacle as well. You played State of Origin in what year? I played State of Origin in 2001, actually. I only played about 30 NRL games um, and didn't get picked in game one and didn't expect to. Like, I was a long way off. And we actually played, um, we played the Sharks at Shark Park 
on a Sunday Arvo and they picked the, the squads then on the Sunday night. It used to be just the, you know, by the news or the old six o'clock news or whatever then. Um, but I actually got a bit of a heads up. I got a phone call on the way driving back from Shark Park. And I still remember the exact spot where it was when I Tell got me. the phone call. It was at this place near Beverly Hills on the left there. Johnny Wilson, who I used to play, um, yeah. he, he sort of gave me a heads up through, you know, he found out some way through a um, person. They just rang me and said, you're going you're gonna to play for New South Wales. I'm trying to think of this game. Because I was with you, you know, one. Yeah, we um, we Nathan played. Nathan Kalis off the kickoff. Did he step off his right foot and hit Luke Bird down the wing? <laughs> he probably did. He could have. Remember he that play? Um, um, yes, yeah, so I do remember the play. Um, I, think, I actually got um, put on report in that did game you? as well. So I had to go to the judiciary. But I got anyway. Yeah, got picked for my first ever Origin, and I was like freaking out, going far out Origin. No way. Like I, I as I said, I'd only. I, I was still trying to comprehend that I'd actually played NRL, let alone getting picked for, for New South Wales. Game two. Same phone call to mum and dad? Straight away, same phone call. Yeah, definitely to mum and dad. And then, um, yeah, I, I obviously went into camp and had to go to the judiciary because um, I accidentally pressed yeah. in Campbell. I actually lifted him a little bit high in a game. He was playing yeah. for the Sharks. And yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I got off, but rolling into camp, just going, oh, dead set, yeah, I was going, what am I doing here? Was Freddie captain? Freddie was captain as well, yeah, so 0-1, and then um, we actually won that game, and so that was game two in the series to draw it, and then uh, unfortunately went to, to Brizzy, and that was Alfie Langer came back. Alfie's return. Alfie's return. Stepped under Mick Vella to yeah, score. So we had Sorry, a, Mick, we, Mick will listen to this. We actually got, yeah, pumped in that game, and the Alfie's return wasn't the That's greatest right. memory for me, but... um. Yeah, just still like to be, to be playing for New South Wales, and uh, it was it was crazy. Yeah. Wasn't Wayne a genius bringing Alfie back? Well, I spoke a little bit before about the how they used to announce it, you know, on those on the radio, and then put it on the news and stuff. I, I distinctly remember, and and I found out that I was going to be picked again, and I remember listening to like it was like the six o'clock news or something for that game three, and it said number seven, Alan Langer, Warrington Wolves. Yeah, and I went. What? No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, Alan Lang is coming back, you know. Um, but not. we didn't obviously know what was going to come off the back of that. But, um, but yeah, uh, and then, yeah, I sort of didn't play for a couple of years and then was lucky enough to sort of find my way back in the team in 2004. But so you won it in 04, I think? Yeah, we, we won the series in 04. I, um, I played game one and game two, and then yeah. actually Freddie um, didn't play in game one and game two. He came back and played in that game three in 04. That's right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I missed out I on missed the squad. But, um, but yeah, the, the squad won the series. And, and you won it in 05? I won it in 05. Ed's your captain. Yeah, Ricky Stewart coached us and um, played all three games. But that was where I had this out-of-body out experience at Brisbane. We played a game at Suncorp. Yeah. And I remember sitting in a circle and Ricky Stewart was addressing us, like sitting in the semicircle before the game. And it felt like I was in a dream, a dead set. Uh, I remember him talking and giving instructions and stuff. And I actually sat there for a sec and thought I was in a dream. And I actually, re I still remember going into the, into the shed, like toilets in there and looking in the mirror and seeing the jersey on. I actually had to put water on my face and go, I'm going out to play Origin here. Like I actually yes, thought that I was in Suncorp. a dream. Yeah, at Suncorp. And then... Because a two-minute warning bell goes off, everything's just crazy, and then we run out to like a packed house 
at Suncorp. It was, it was phenomenal. Isn't that amazing that you could go through that and then that adrenaline running out and then once you're out there, you're calm and present and perform like, like you did. Yeah. Like, um, that's crazy. That. But yeah, I just always remember that exactly that's that spot in those sheds and just feeling like I was just in this dream. It was bizarre. So we've gone Australia, we've gone New South Wales. Let's go to your debut, round two in the year 2000. It was actually my first full-time year in rugby league as well. So um, I always found that, me personally, one of my biggest highlights was when someone makes a debut. Yeah. Even back then. So I'd only, I was pretty young myself, so... Um, but I love debuts. I love it because somewhere in and amongst it, there's a story that that kid wants it more than someone else that had a similar dream growing up. There's something, there's a story, there's a sacrifice, there's something that got this debut and there's usually a backstory of people that helped him get there, which I love. So tell me when you got told you'll play, make your debut and then I'm sure some of these stories will come. Well, yeah, um, and it'll probably make, once I go into the stories, to, to, to actually be standing there and playing like NRL is totally out of, out of my belief and out of something that I ever thought that was going to come off. But, um, yeah, Brian Smith was a coach, as you know, you were there with us. And, um, yeah, he, he gave me an opportunity in that to do summer training block, um, we won the reserve grade competition in 99 for para. And um, yeah, I got an opportunity to basically train and trial through that summer. Um, and then he told me, uh, I still remember in the pre-season, so we had Jim Dimmick and Jason Smith and Nathan Highmarsh and Ian Highmarsh and Daniel Watt, all these blokes at first graders. And you know, Heine was younger than me. Nathan Caleb's was same age. Pay. You know, these guys had been around the club and stuff. And, mm. and I remember Smithy in this, he had us, all the forwards together, you know, Justin Morgan and all these guys are all, and um, as he does, he, yeah. he throws little tests out from time to time. And um, he actually said, oh, who thinks they can play first grade? And I hadn't, like, I was just there for this summer. And I was sitting there going, fire out. And put my hand up. And, of course, he picked me out and goes, so you're sitting here with all these blokes, you think you're going to play first grade, and I'm going, far out, I wish I didn't put my hand up. <laughs> Jared McCracken. Yeah, yeah like all of these here, fellas. Crackers, no, Crackers had just finished, and, Tigers, and, yeah. uh, and Dino That's had just right. finished as well. But, um, right. you know, like all those. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, why do I put my hand up here? And he goes, do you think you can play? And I just sort of went, oh, well, yeah, I do. Like I wasn't going to say no after that. Um, and then sort of trained through the summer and then he gave me a trial up at Longreach. It was on Australia Day because in 2000 the comp was all brought forward yes. um, because of the, Olympics. the Olympics. So, um, yeah, had a trial game in, um, up there in Rockhampton um, on Australia Day and, yeah, just played the Tigers up there and then all of a sudden I didn't, you know, get picked for, for round one and then round two. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working at Parramatta Leagues at the time because I was working in the cellar bits and pieces and stuff as well and still training. And, yeah, he said, you're going to make your debut at um, Parra Stadium against the Broncos. And that Broncos team, well, they ended up winning the comp that year. It was unlimited interchange. And they yes. had, you know, Talis and Thorne and Sivan Asiva, Webke, Lockyer, Sailor, um, yeah, Lottie Takiri. Like, it was ridiculous. Um, and they ended up getting us in the prelim final. Yeah, they did. The same team. They yeah. did. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, but you know, to, to sit there and make my debut, but you asked the question about the stories in the lead up. So, um, you know, I could, I could talk about this for a long time because, you know, I was playing a couple of, a few years before in Dubbo. I'd, I'd never made the, the group 11 Dubbo rep side. I still had not made, didn't, didn't make possibles, probables. I'd never made sort of the rep team. And then I went for this open trial at the Parramatta under 20s. Um, and they said, we'll get, come back for another trial the next week. And then they said, we're going to sign you on a one-year deal for the para under-20s. And I'm like, far out. Johnny Colk ended up being our, our coach of the under-20s. And, and I played a few games. I was in and out of the starting side on the bench. You know, didn't play semi, sort of got dropped. And then it was under-20s. And the next year, they changed it to under-19s. So I was too old for 19s. And then you had to try and make the Reggie's squad. So as you know better than anyone, that, you know, the top 25, 30 guys, and then there was, you know, the next tier of guys, 15 or so, and, and then there was about 10 of us were training in that part-time squad. So I, yeah. was, I was a long way down the list. If you didn't make the reserve grade side, you'd go back and play local, local footy. For Kellyville. So I was playing for the 98, I was playing for the Kellyville Bush Rangers, yeah, with a heap of boys, you know, that yeah. sort of were local followers, and, you know, we'd all come from everywhere. But anyway, in this particular season, I'd... I'd done my knee in, I'd rode off my car running late, I was a landscaper running late to work, I'd, um, but everything that could go wrong went wrong in that year and then right towards the end um, I'd just written off my car and my, our house got broken into and they stole, stole all our gear. So I remember, you know, talk about these phone calls to the parents, I actually rang mum and dad and said, look I'm out, I'm done, I've given it two years, I'm going to move back home. And, and they were like, yeah, all right. Well, my old man said, um, I've got a, a bloke I know, he's a landscaper, come back and you can finish your trade and all that stuff. And the next day, because I'd written off my car, I had to go into Parramatta and sign some health forms and stuff because I'd had an operation on my knee. So I had to catch the bus in there to go sign these forms. So there's injuries in. amongst this too. Yeah, so there was <laughs> knee, the knee injury that which put me out for a long time and stuff. And, um, and then I was standing back at that bus stop, made the decision to move home. And um, Peter Sharp, who was the reserve grade coach, drove past from the offices there and said, do you want to lift home? So I jumped in the car and, you know, I do, I'm sick of catching this bus. And as he was dropping me home, he said, um, have you thought about next year? And I said, oh, I'm done. I'm moving home. Uh, I've given it a couple of years. Yeah. So he sort of paused for a second and said, oh, have you thought about giving it another crack? So I went, far. So I went home that night and just tossed and turned all night like, should I stay? What you know? Should I just go and get on with life? Finish off, move back home to Dubbo, finish off my trade, and just do that. And I just tossed and turned, and then I sort of thought about it and think this night: Have I been giving myself the best opportunity in these two years? Probably the answer was maybe no. Um, and I, I came to the realization that the the reasons were because I actually didn't believe that I was good enough. I, I was the, the fellow that couldn't make. Dubbo rep side and come into this under 20s team with all these Australian schoolboys and I'm going what am I doing here and then the next year I'm like I'm not good enough to play Reggie's what am I doing here so I made the decision I'm going to stay for a year do everything in my power train harder better diet work be a better workmate be a better all this you know, just little improvements everywhere and I fought my way into the Reggie's team uh, and then, yeah, we went on to win the reserve grade. Mm. Smithy sort of grabbed me in the office after that and said, yeah, I'll give you that summer in and trial. And there I am standing yeah. against the Broncos in round two, making my first grade debut. So there's so much gold in that. 
but I think the real gold was someone believed in you. Yeah. Someone, like, I think, like, I actually take a lot of pride in that. Like, I, I would love to think there's a player out there now that says, Hayden Knowles believed in me. Mm. You know, like what yeah. you just said about Sharpie, like, he's one of the best men you'll meet yeah. in rugby league. And I don't know if he's a listener, but <laughs> um, he, I don't know if he knows how to use the podcast app or anything. But I'm sure that will be one of his best moments as well when he saw you debut and followed your career you know I I got to work with you for a couple of years and then still which we're going to go to now your grand final still remember I'd worked with you for a couple of years and it was unfortunate that the club we were at had to let players go and none of the staff I remember wanted you to go mm. none of your best mates Kalis, Heine, all those mm. no one wanted you to leave but it was still you take a lot of pride watching your career from then on. Um, but the grand final, I was in a pub in Switzerland. <laughs> Myself and my wife, Nicole, we wandered around the town, visited all these places to ask who will put the Australian Rugby League wow. grand final on TV. And I'll remember it, because there was a couple of other Aussie tourists in there as well, and we are cheering this grand final. And I went berserk when you, you chased down Crocker to save the game, basically. Do you remember? Yeah, it? I do, yeah. Like, um. like, it was, there's these famous grand final moments, there's the Sattler tackle, there's this tackle, that tackle, and, but I don't know if that one ever gets much of a start. I mean, even way back when Freddie chased down and tackled Mal Meninga over the sideline in the grand final, like, there's a lot of these famous grand final moments, but... I don't know if yours gets played that much, but I remember it clearly. And as, tell us about your grand final experience, but definitely take me to that tackle. Yeah, so oh, there's, there's so many sort of stories within that as well. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we'd been there together in 01. Um, and, you know, that heartache of losing a grand final, you know, yeah. my second year of playing NRL and super successful season and great crew and staff and players and... Um, behind the scenes staff and uh, yeah it, it hurts it, it, it still hurts now that you, you lose you know yeah. um, it hurts but um, you, you learnt from it and, and you know I, I did want to stay on it at Parramatta through that period unfortunately it just sort of didn't work out that way but got an opportunity I went to a Bulldogs team that you know I went there at heading into the 2003 season, and they just won 19 in a row in 02. Like, this, this club, this team, they were phenomenal. And, you know, there were some guys that had to leave, some salary cap, um, obviously the salary cap breach and stuff, but we made the prelim in 03 with um, a lot of the players took a, a cut to stay, keep the majority of the squad together. In 03, we made the prelim final um, for the Bulldogs. And then 04, it was just this... Us and the Roosters right throughout this season just had the, like it was this big ding-dong battles. And it was probably a, two or three years old, really, you know. They obviously won the comp in 02 and then the Panthers in 03. But through those few years, like the two clubs had these massive battles. And right through that yeah. season in 04, we were sort of one and two. Um, I think it, we might have even ended up on the same points, sort of heading into the semis. And it ends up coming together, you know, that... Um, these two teams are going to face off in the grand final. And in the prelim final the week before, we beat the Panthers at the footy stadium. And 
Steve Price, who was our captain, actually got injured um, right. early doors in the prelim final. So um, on the Tuesday of that grand final, uh, we sort of found out that Pricey probably wasn't going to come through um, and we didn't think too much of it. And Steve Folks, I was walking through the office at one stage on the Tuesday or the Wednesday and he just grabbed me and said, um, you got a sec. And uh, he said, mate, how would you feel about being captain of the team this week? And I was like, I dead set nearly fell over. Like I was like, I was in shock. I'd, I had never been captain. It was my second year at the club. I hadn't been captain of this team before. Actually, I hadn't been a captain of an NRL team, obviously, before. The last time I was captain was St John's Open school team. We got pumped in all three games. So <laughs> hes I don't know if he knew my record heading into that grand final. but He saw um, something in you, mate. But then all of a sudden I'm standing there. It's Brad Fittler's last ever game in NRL. Huge. And he's yeah. the opposition captain. And, you know, they're doing the coin toss. And I'm standing there freaking out again. And, you know, obviously got to lead the boys out on the day and I was just the fill-in captain but yeah to, it was a, a tight game and sort of end-to-end -end and they were had us under the pump right through the second half. Um, we sort of scored a couple of tries to get in front and um, but then they just I just still remember that they had all these little plays inside balls off Fittler and they kept bombarding us and we just sort of kept repelling them and repelling them and repelling them and I actually haven't still watched the whole game, but I've seen snippets of it. I've been mean to sort of sit down and catch the game at some stage. But, um, Just play it with your kids. Yeah, well, that's what... <laughs> Come yeah. on, kids, sit down. Um, but I haven't watched the full game yet. But, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to sort of see the last 10 seconds a few times and um, or the last 30 seconds. So what was the score when... It was 16-13 we were up with sort of... I with, think there was... I don't so know. if this... Bro if <laughs> this was a game-saving... I'm not exaggerating. My memory was it was... It was huge. It was it was the game saving tackle. Well, right? Luke Patton, who was our fullback, he assures me that he would have folded him and gotcha. and, and done it anyway. <laughs> but so you know, there was probably another line of defence. But I guess yeah, to every single person that plays sport um, in a team sport, yeah, we spoke about representing your country and playing Origin. And don't get me wrong, they are unbelievable things. And you know, they're they're those individual honours and, and it's more, you know, your family and stuff. But, yeah. you know, as you know, being involved yeah. in a, to win that premiership to, to that, the moment when that siren goes, the whistle blows and you've won the comp. It's yeah. like um, the work that, you know, the, those pre-seasons, like I'd only been there, as I said, it was my second pre-season and, and I honestly thought I'd trained hard before yeah. that, but far out. I'd, some of the dark places we went to in those training sessions. Yeah, um, and then, you know, to enjoy that moment and, um, you know, eventually back with all those close family and friends. But it's, it's all those, you know, the, the players, the staff, the, the whole squad that you, you train with and do all that. And, yeah, that, that moment, that I, I just felt just a rush through my whole body as soon as it happened. It was just, wow. yeah, it was a crazy experience. You know what I wouldn't mind doing is talking about some coaches because there's a lot of listeners of this podcast that are coaches or teachers or trainers or and athletes are listening. Um, but I wouldn't mind going there because, I mean, we've already talked there about a critical Peter Sharp moment that I'm sure people have now been inspired. That's, that's all some kids need sometimes is someone to, be, someone to believe in mm. them. But you just mentioned Steve Folk's name. 
who I've never been privileged enough to work with, but I've never heard anything but good stories about this guy. Let's talk about a few coaches and their influences on you and their characteristics that would help a listener. Yeah. Oh, look, I've... I've been that lucky, you know, from Brian Smith to Steve Folks to Phil Gould to Wayne Bennett to Craig Bellamy. Um, it's it's crazy that, that you know Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart. I was lucky enough to have these guys as coaches. Um, yeah, a, f a few that really stick out for me, I guess, is and these are big impact moments in my life. It was you know Brian Smith to to see that and give me that opportunity to to play NRL and. You know, I don't think he gets enough credit for the coach um, that he that he was and that he is. Um, the 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 skills and the stuff that players we're working with every day are doing this stuff. That you know he was yeah, he was doing the attention to detail stuff, the skill level, that even the way the, the processes in games and how to manipulate games and how to do stuff within games. He was we had no idea. It was my first real. NRL coach so we were getting all this information I had no idea like we just yeah. I just assumed that that's what everyone gets you know but his his information and detail and all that was was, was crazy I caught know? up with him only a month before this is getting recorded yeah right. I spent a day with him recently when you're with him you got you got this kind of grateful feeling because even in my own career he pretty much gave me my start yeah and had a huge influence on me. And he's still one of the smartest men you'll ever meet. And I, I actually still think he has a lot to offer. If I was, being, if I was just say, a, out of the blue, a club said, Hayden, we want you to head up this team. Mm. You know the first person I would employ would be him. Yeah. Like I actually think if I was a young coach, I would want to surround myself with someone like Brian. Yeah, his, his yeah. detail and, you know, and, and through those periods, obviously, you know, the, the strength and conditioning people we had around the traps yeah. too, there's, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to do some coaching um, as well. And, you know, we're here at South Leagues. I coach locally here, I, I've been over time. Some of the drills and, you know, yeah. the speed drills and skill drills. Are that, you still yeah, doing my drills? Yeah, I'm still doing them. Good so, work, um, mate. I, I, no, I'm I need still to, doing Brian. I need to get you back, as, <laughs> get you in. But, you know, these sorts of things that... Yeah. are relevant then, are relevant now, and, and, you know, from speed, but the coaching and, you know, and then I, I won't go right through them all, but to go to Steve Folks at that time, I spoke about the training and the work ethic and all that, but the, the biggest impact he had on me was his loyalty to his team, and uh, if you were doing a good job, he'd leave you alone. So it was harder to get in the team than get out if you're winning games and you're doing your job. And true to his word, if, you know, I'd miss a few too many tackles or I wasn't, you know, applying myself enough, he'd come and chip you, but he'd go three and four weeks of, of competition games and he'd, he, I, I remember actually saying to him, mate, is there any, you know, do You're I, talking yeah, him. yeah, and he goes, you don't want to hear from me, he said that to me. Right. Yeah, and true to his word, there was a, he put me on the bench, I was on the bench and I was nearly, you know, at this stage going to get dropped to reserve grade early in my first season there um, yeah. and he gave me a bit of a rocket and sort of sparked me back up and and um but then to go on and have you know guys like Wayne Bennett you know was lucky enough to have him on a couple of tours just the way his care for his players and his yeah. interest in the person um you know being able to listen to Phil Gould do some of his pre-game speeches and um yeah. and everything around them and you know I've 
Craig Bellamy, he, he did a, a talk here for us at South not long ago, and yeah, it was so good to see him. Just his same goes, his care and passion and detail and stuff as well. So I guess over time, a little bit like players you play alongside, mm. the, the coaches that we've been able to have, um, yeah, you, you look at a, a little bit of mm. everything and go, far out, they gave me so much in my life. I love, it's so interesting because even myself, if anyone ever sat there and asked me about influence I've had, Brian's one, Wayne is one, similar, mm. similar examples. Yeah. Uh, Wayne still, only yesterday I had a phone call and I consider a, a mentor and a friend. Yeah. Um, Brian, the same, same, same little things they cared about. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's little bits there that I know people listening to uh, who are developing their own coaching, like that's kind of where the magic is. I was with Scotty Campbell the day Steve Folkes died and Scotty Campbell was your conditioner mm. back then for that premiership in 2004. Yeah. What a great man he is. Champion. Who I've had work with me on a number of staff and he's got more grand final tattoos than anyone. He's got, he's got four different teams on his back. So he does something well, Scotty. Um, but I remember, mate, like... He was gone. He was mm. rattled with the news. Yeah. He loved Steve, folks. Like, the same way I love a lot of the coaches I've worked for, and it sounds like you, but Steve, folks, had an impact on a lot of people by the sounds of it. I wish I wish I had actually met him. I've worked with and met a lot, a lot of coaches, but I never actually got to know him. Yeah, he's... Um yeah, he's there's no no fuss or fanfare about him. He's just a you know um, low key human, and yeah, I feel that feeling in my stomach now that he's not with us anymore. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I sort of was lucky enough to be coached by him for a while, but I call him a mate and and that as well. So um, yeah, it was it was, it was t you know he's the the fittest. You know, um, I've looked at my old man over time who's. You know, pretty much my whole life, he's always had a six-pack and fit as anything, and I've yeah. never had one. Yeah. And Steve Folks was the same. I look at those two, and you know, um, well, folks, he was inspire, like, might inspire me. <laughs> folks, he was like always training. And my yeah. first preseason, there we're doing a triathlon. He was into his triathlon, wasn't big he? time. So we're doing a triathlon, Riding and he's ahead bikes, of me, and he's right. actually. Like we're running past each other on the running track. He's ahead, and I'm going this way. He's going, keep going, mate. And I'm going far out. I'm supposed. <laughs> he's the coach here, you know. But he, yeah, but mate. He had the ten thousand dollar bike. You had like the Kmart. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I had yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, the like quality he, of the bike's important. Yeah, it helps. But I don't think days. it would have helped me. It wouldn't have helped me that much. But yeah, he's That's just great. his demeanour and you know his work ethic. But yeah, mate. Around that, the loyalty and well, even was... believing in you to make you captain. So he saw something in you. He saw leadership qualities in you. You captain the team then for the next basically decade. Um, let's talk about that because mm. there are a lot of listeners. Nearly every listener on here is really interested in the leadership part of their careers yeah. or whatever they're doing. Are they helping or inspiring younger athletes? Or there's a lot of elite people as well. But the leadership topic. I mean, we all, everyone on this podcast listens and studies it, but you lived and breathed it and you had to learn it yeah, on the run. Definitely. And you had to maintain uh, an authenticity about you. Like, like you couldn't just become exactly like someone else. Like you, you are you. But yeah. what other qualities do you think 
Steve Folksor and you, and what did you have to learn and develop as a leader? Plenty. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Scotty Campbell before, and he was our strength and conditioning person and, you know, took us through those those pre-seasons. But, I, I, you know, he's a mate as well and um, from those times. But I, I guess, you know, he, he might have had a little bit of input in this stuff as well. Um, but, yeah, the leadership one, I, I'd been... I'd been at a club at Parramatta and a good mate of ours, Nathan Kalis, was my age and he was our captain from, yeah. you know, tw 20 years of age or 21 when we're coming into first grade. So I was lucky enough to sort of see how he applied himself and then our, our captain at the time was Steve Price. But then, you know, going through Darren, uh, Darren Lockyer's and Danny Badiris's and these guys that I was lucky enough to, to play alongside and, and have as captains... Brad Fittler, you know, as well. Um, but I fell into a trap really early on. So obviously I was lucky enough to stand in. I was lucky enough we, we won the, the comp and I was captain. But all of a sudden I actually felt in that first season, I felt like I sort of had to change in a way. Not, not what I was doing or not the way I was playing, but I started to get really worried about everyone else. I actually started to burn energy on... Oh, is he gonna? Is he right? Like he's over there doing that. Is he like I was always really, and it was starting to drain me. It was actually probably having an impact on my performance. So especially that first twelve months, yeah. I, I actually had to go. Oh, you, you, the reason you end up becoming captain was because of I guess everything you'd sort of done in the past. So it was like, well, I, I made a bit of a switch in it then. So then my mentality was to be. Um, I'm going to be, every single day, I'm going to be the most energetic, enthusiastic person at training every single day. I don't care if I'm sick, sore, tired, win, loss, draw. This is who I am. I'm going to be bouncing every day. And that's challenging sometimes, you know, yeah. when you're losing. And we went through some real rough patches and probably the toughest period in my career was 08 when we finished last and some other challenges with that as well. But, um, yeah... After a little bit, I started to then think about, well, Nathan Kalis, he was an actions man, you know, he spoke as well, he was actions, you know. Um, Darren Lockyer, who was lucky enough to play alongside, like he'd hardly say anything until we'd just run out, but he'd come up with a big play in a game. Danny Badiris, a, a game in Queensland in, in origin, kicked off and, and there's footage of it, you know, yeah, Shane, himself, yeah, yeah. he launches himself at Shane Webke, so... Everyone has their own way of leadership, and, and that was the thing. Any leader, or I guess myself, had to work out that find the balances to still say stay true to yourself. Yeah, and that was the biggest one. So, well, there would have been influences in you that those guys had, but there would have been stuff from a kid and how you were brought up. There would have been there'd be so much we could go to in there. But you've just given some tips to any leaders out there. Is actions yeah. is one but also staying pretty true to you. And, and, and you acknowledge that there's lessons to learn. You're not a, no one's an expert on being a leader straight no. away. Like, no. like there's things you learn along the way. Um, probably brings me to, I just mentioned when you were younger, is there any influence you feel now, now I've mentioned it, that guided you on a, this work ethic about you, this energy? Was it your dad? Yeah. By the sounds of it. It was definitely my dad and, you know, my, my brothers, um, the amount of time we spent in the backyard and, you know, practicing skill and training and, and all that stuff. You know, I watched everything that they did and, 
you know, especially my old man was a roof tiler for a long time. He'd come home in the middle of summer off being on roofs and he'd go and do weights and go for runs and they out the back. And, you know, I'm sitting on the lounge eating crap food, you know, after <laughs> school or whatever, you know, but those yeah. sort of things. And, and then the older you get and, and seeing, you know, watching the family and the way they yeah. trained and the way they did stuff. And eventually I got there, I went off on a little bit of a, I probably made some poor choices in, in, lack of training and diet and stuff for, for a period I'm talking in, in my teens and stuff but yeah once I sort of found that later on you know I, that's the way I live now I, I yeah. live I've got four kids myself and you know obviously they, they play sport every day but um, obviously want to try and be a bit of a role model for them but but through that yeah the leadership stuff try, same goes I guess with the coaching for those that want to be a coach not going I'm going to be like this person I'm going to implement what they do because you might have a different cattle in your team, but you'll, you know, if you can take little bits and pieces of, and still try, stay true to yourself, um, is the most important one. But you obviously want to try and have an impact on people too, in whatever way you can. Yeah. Um, you just we talked about some young stuff. Then we talked about your own kids. I, I think it's still important to maybe share. We share the same beliefs about kids should be playing multiple sports, doing lots of different type of athletic development type stuff in a, in a natural, fun way. You played soccer. Mm. The Europeans call it football. You yeah. played soccer until you were 13. You didn't even play rugby league. No, I didn't play any, any competitive rugby league until, yeah, pretty much 13s, 14s. I played soccer. I played basketball. At, I'm not saying at any level, any of these sports, yeah, but I played, played. you know... Um, Cricket, soccer, touch footy, you know, we'd play some backyard footy and footy with our mates and stuff. But my weekend sport, it was, it was soccer in the winter and like yeah. as, a, as a kid till I was 12. And it was cricket in the summer. And because there's a story there, mate, too. There's a lot of teachers out there with kids that are 13 years old or 15-year-olds that miss a rep team and yeah. that's the end of the world. Like, you didn't even play rugby league till you were 14. You didn't make any rep teams. You nearly gave it away at 20. You then debut. You then play for New South Wales and Australia and win a competition. And now I've had a career post mm. in the game. It's a, great, it's a great story. Is there any wonder why I asked him to come <laughs> on the show? Oh, I'm a massive believer, you know, in, in, in like, obviously I've got two boys and two girls and they love sport. And, and um, I've always said to them, I, the importance for me in team sport is huge. Obviously, you can play individual sports if you like, but I've, from a young age, I've said to them, um, I want you, we want you to play team sport. My wife and I, wife Olivia and I have said, team sports, you know, at least one team sport in each right throughout the season. And, you know, our kids play basketball, the touch footy, to Oztag, to everything, AFL, cricket, Whatever's going, they'll have a crack at. Probably have time off school most of the time, yeah, but yeah. but I'm a huge believer in that, you know. Same. And um, I guess from my own childhood, and then from being around sport for a long time, just seeing every every sport helps another one too. So you know, I'm watching our boys play touch footy last week, and one of his mates does a little basketball shot over the top and his mate scores a try in the corner you know, like basketball and the vision and balancing stuff you get from soccer and the peripherals 360 from AFL and and then they all help each, each other anyway and the um, balance and stuff That's from right. soccer and everything at, at all and speed and the, that vision and everything helps your footy and everything as well so if they eventually pick a sport yeah. whatever that might be um, 
everything they've done in previously is going to help them anyway. Um, but I, I just think the variety, different, mixing with different circles, hanging with different people, getting out of your comfort zone, trying something yeah. as well. Um, I'm, I'm a huge believer in it. I know. I know you are, and you know I am. That's but we had to share that. Yeah, no. Yeah, and, but you actually lived it. Yeah. You know, um, you're living proof of it. Let's just finish off then. You've got into coaching. You coach a bit. You've done a lot of well-being. You've done a lot of welfare within the NRL. Um, you're now in a leadership role with an NRL club. How are you finding that? Uh, what are you hoping? Well, it's great that it's your old club. Yeah. The, the club that you captained to some pretty special moments. Uh, you're now in a leadership role there. How's that going? And what do you think you're gonna to bring to that club? Because you've, you've gone to work for a great coach in Cameron Serrato, who's just taken on a big job. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, um, it's another moment where I actually go, this, is this happening, you know? Um, yeah, I'm working in sort of that leadership culture, a bit of wellbeing space as well. And, um, yeah, still fortunate I get to live in Newcastle and I, I, I travel down a few days a week. Um, but yeah, the, predominantly to work with the players at the moment, trying to get to know the, the players and sort of build some connection within the group um, as well. And um, we all, you know, believe is the same thing. And, and Cameron's a huge believer in a connected team and a connected club. You know, hopefully. Um, it, it, it helps performance as well and, and that's been the way just to build relationships, get to know each other at the moment, players and staff and, and as we go on, an aspect of my role will be in that leadership space as well. Um, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, you know, to actually, yeah. to, to basically, uh, we're not going to, no one's going to come and say, oh, this, is, this guy's been a leader since he was six years old, he's got the job or whatever it is, it's... And I've always been a true believer, you whatever sport, you don't have to wear the badge or have the C next to your name to be a leader anyway. You oh, know, yeah, mate. You, no, you, you'll have leadership from the bottom in yeah, that team. Yeah, You'll have and, – and I love that you're actually going to work for Cam Serraldo, who I've also worked with, who also had been influenced by Brian Smith. Yeah. His detail, that early embrace um, – he obviously believes in you. You're saying you're pinching yourself, you're going back to work for that club, but he's doing the Peter Sharps on you now saying, mate, I believe you're the best person for this job, which you are. Mm. Um, he does believe in the most connected team is usually the best defensive team, and the best defensive team usually wins. Yeah. You know, so uh, you have gone... There's a little sweet spot in your working career right now, I feel, like you're... You're definitely the right person in this leadership space, but even with the person you've gone to work for and the club yeah. you've gone to work for, there's some special things happening in your life, but also in the lives of those players. I think I can feel it. Um, you're going to do to them, quite a few of them, what people like Sharpie's done for you. you know. I yeah, feel, I, I hope, feel. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I suppose it's just the... Um yeah, to, to be in around, like we've got already, you know, I've been there, this is week four of the pre-season and they're a great group, they're a good crew, they're, they're just, you know, they're working hard at the moment and there's some challenges through the pre-season, there's some young guys in there coming through their first pre-season ever and, um, and it does take you back, but um, they're a great crew and they, you know, they're willing to, to just jump in and have a crack. And, and that's all you can ask at the moment. Um, 
is there going to be challenges? Yeah, there's going to be challenges. Every, all of the other 16 NRL teams and, and everyone in sport as well, the, the challenges don't stop coming. But that's, you know, I guess for myself and my own personal experience, you learn that much about when you're losing um, yeah. and when you have t- tough times. So um, hopefully we don't have too many tough times. But <laughs> They've you, had um, a few of late. Yeah, but you, you certainly learn a lot about yourself through those periods and, and, and it, makes you, it makes the other times better as well. Well, mate, I'm just thinking back in your own career. You you captain and you captain the team in O eight when they came last, but you also turned that around the following year, you're in a prelim final to make a grand final in O nine. So you've you've had good and bad. Yeah. Um, they've had a bit of bad lately, but they seem like they're going they're on the up. I wanna finish with one last story. You wrote Peter Sharp a letter. If anyone's watching write somebody a letter in the same way you did and because it, it must have meant the world to him but also it was a real grateful little experience for yourself i've done the same with some people um i was waiting for you to send me a letter once but you know i, never, <laughs> I didn't have your address didn't have my address well, um, you know. but let's share that story because if we inspire anyone to do anything today from this there's a lot of little lessons there that people take bits of but this, if everybody does it, I highly recommend do it. Yeah, look, I'm massive on, on connection, I'm massive on people. Um, and too often we, you know, I'd been saying to Sharpie for ages, oh, I need to, you know, look after you or buy you a beer or something like it. It was all these little throwaway comments. And, um, and yeah, I, I was watching a guy presented one day, um, Hugh Van Kallenberg presented and, spoke about gratitude and everything and it just hit me like a ton of bricks what I needed to do uh, and I just wrote it only took it didn't take me long at all I had had to do a couple of draft draft runs of it but I, I hand wrote Sharpie a letter and I wanted to hand, personally hand it to him as well so as things would turn out I was actually fortunate I was doing some commentary at the time and the, the Bulldogs were playing Parramatta and Sharpie had actually He'd been moved around a little bit in coaching and, and all that, but he'd gone back to Parramatta in a recruitment capacity. And I asked if I could meet up with him and met him in the tunnel at, at Homebush there at the stadium and basically had a quick chat to him and just gave him this letter. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I don't know if he realised how much of an impact he did on all that belief and, and what it did for me at that time. Um, but if it wasn't for Peter Sharp, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be sitting here today. I wouldn't have played NRL. I wouldn't have. You know, obviously there's some other, you know, people and family and everything like that 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 certainly helped me as well. But if he didn't believe in me at that time, I wouldn't have played NRL. So, if you can go and sit with someone face to face, and yes. you know, we've been lucky enough to sit here with you today, and thank you for for yeah. helping. You know, those and and what you were able to do for us on the the field Early and years. transition all that. You know. And, like I said, I still use that stuff today, but go and sit with someone, go, and go out of your way to call someone, write them a letter, just say thank you um, because often we, uh, we, we, we don't do that stuff. We get stuck in our little world, so yeah. Um, yeah. That's a wrap. Thank you, Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Champion. Awesome.